resolving, resolving brotherly offenses. From Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, Scripture says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. How do we resolve brotherly offense? One of the things I see here is the basics of giving and receiving. To give and receive does not require that you be in unison, but obliging. We will simply say from this standpoint, help be helped. In other words, we can be helped if, number one, we want help. And number two, if help is offered. We don't always easily give and we don't always easily receive correction, criticism, advice, you name it. There have been many times that we were corrected or disciplined. And at that moment, we were not readily receiving it. But when later, say later, when later came, the reality is that it had crept into our character unawares or we received it through experience. Let me say that again. But when later came, when, when a later time came, it showed up what we were what we were being given because at that moment that it was given we may not have uh, appeared to be receptive but at a later time it was revealed in our character in the next opportunity for an occurrence to take place or when we went through an experience we understood that that what someone was trying to give and give us or deposit in us had actually taken root. One of the great examples is the father and the prodigal son. The father and the prodigal son were not on the same page when the son wanted to leave home. But if the son was going to learn a lesson about himself and about the grace and mercy of his father, then the father had to oblige him. God is not always pleased with our choices. But if a lesson is to be learned, he will oblige us making the choice. God does not desire his children pain and discomfort, but in his providence, he will allow it as part of his plan. In other words, in order to get us to a certain place of receiving, even in difficult moments, even when the situation is bad, even if the enemy wants to use something, God will allow what's called his providence. In other words, 
whether it's good or bad, God will allow it to be used in order to accomplish his plan. Jesus starts out in part of this lesson by saying that offenses will come. By offenses, we mean enticements to sin. It's just not any old thing. It's just not somebody stepping on my foot, even though that can be an offense that may need uh, the opportunity to reconcile with a brother. But when we're talking about offenses, we mean that someone has sinned against another. It says, but woe to that man by whom they come. He says that if you have a sin problem, it's best to deal with the problem before it deals with you. Jesus then goes on to teach the parable of the 100 sheep. That if a man had a hundred sheep and one of them would go astray. Would he not leave the 99 and go after the one that was lost? And in this teaching episode, Jesus is teaching about the little ones, the, the meek ones, those who have come to rely and trust in him. So when he gets to the point of uh, verse 15, what he's saying is that, that a brother in the faith is a delicate vessel and it is important to uh, the family of Christ. In forgiveness and in relationships, there is give and there is receive. You can forgive a person, but they won't receive it. So shake the dust off of your feet and be good with God. And yet we will see another application of this principle a little bit later on in the teaching. By the same token, a person can ask you to forgive them, but you can refuse to receive it. Whatever the reason may be for you not forgiving them, they experience a new freedom while you remain in bondage. Don't be caught in bondage by not forgiving your brother. The scripture says that whom the son sets free is free indeed. We are free from the power of sin, which is its rule over our lives. We are free from the penalty of sin which is eternal death. Yet while we remain here on earth and are not yet in the eternal kingdom, we are not yet free from the presence of sin. Therefore, we can still be bound by the consequences of sin or the consequences of our choice because me not forgiving you can do more to hold me back and harm me than the offense. Sometimes what a person does to me is, is, is least costly than me not forgiving that person. We are human, yet kingdom people 
are approved to operate operate in kingdom mindset. We are human, meaning that we will sometimes stray from the intended will that God has for us to respond. Yet as kingdom people, we are approved to operate with a kingdom mindset. In other words, as kingdom people, as children of God, we have a mindset Uh, We have been bought at a price to operate differently than the world. But the text is talking about two people, two people that have the common trait of a relationship with God. And herein is the difference. These two people in the text have a common trait of a relationship with God meaning that you can't try this on everybody. You can try to to, to operate like this with some people if you want to who are of the world, who have not been changed, who are not spiritual, who are unchurched, and you might find yourself in a bad situation. That's why the Bible says that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You need to ask God for wisdom before you try to use this principle on a person who is not your brother. You can't try everything on everybody. We'll use the physical to explain the spiritual. David tried on Saul's armor, but it wouldn't fit him. It wouldn't fit David, the warrior, because David had yet not grown in stature enough to fit the armor of God. Secondly, Saul's armor was not meant for David to wear. David had to use what was good for him in order to go to battle. What are we saying with that? What we're saying is that that every you can't try everything on everybody. Some some people are not yet ready uh, to use the armor of God, not ready to use the word of God, not ready to use the techniques of God in order to solve a dispute between each other. There are many things in life that we can be a part of, but they are not fit for God's people. Proverbs 1 and 7 says that fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9 9 says, give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Sometimes people uh, uh, and people we are aren't willing to receive the instruction being given. And in the moment, their responses can be challenging. In other words, I don't care who you are. If you are caught in a moment and you're not ready to receive, whether it be instruction or correction or anything, if you're not ready to receive then there's a response that you give or the response that the other person gives 
can be challenging. And when responses become challenging, it's almost like pushing against each other. There can become friction. And anytime friction results, there can be a spark of fire. And if a spark of fire happens, there can be combustion. In other words, we have to practice wisdom and we must practice the wisdom with the brother or the sister in Christ in order to alleviate the possibility of friction. That's why this scripture can't work on anybody in the world because it talks about two brothers. Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so we're going to go on. Some of us, you can't just go uh, and take this application from the text because everybody, even in the church house, ain't your brother. Even in the church house, it's hard to apply this text because everybody in the church house, and I ain't picking on nobody, I'm, we're just being real and factual and truthful and honest, is that everybody in the church ain't your brother. Even many of the responses and choices uh, we make are not fit for us. Oh, but God's grace and his mercy. Because even sometimes we as Christians and as brothers and sisters and supposedly family, there are some moments when our responses and choices are not fit choices and responses of children of God. Oh, but if God's grace and his mercy covers us, then surely we ought to extend grace and mercy. Let's look at the text. The first thing that we see in the text is that these are brothers in faith. We have disagreements with family, even with family. But if anyone ought to show love, it ought to be the family. Jesus in John 13, 34 and 35 says that uh, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. It says that a new commandment I'm giving you that you love one another as I've loved you. And then he said that that people will know that you are my disciples. You are mine by the love that you show one another. And part of this brotherly relationship, part of being able to resolve the disagreement between the brothers when one has offended or sinned against the other is that we must operate in a principle called love. Brothers in the Greek is Adelphos. Adelphos, this word can either be uh, of inclusiveness or of intimacy. Adelphos, the Greek word for brothers used here in the text, can either be of inclusiveness or intimacy. When we speak of inclusiveness, it indicates that you're in the same religious faith, you are a fellow Christian brother 
or sister. And we can see that in the text. Yet it can also be intimacy because the word delphos means womb. In other words, it may or may not be a biological brother. But whoever it is, because it is Delphos, it is somebody that you are intimate or close with. Oh, come on now. But in the text, we see intimacy because Jesus is talking to his disciples about something that is vital to the Christian family. Love, humility, and the practice of giving and receiving. Intimacy is to get the heart, get to the heart of something, exposing or sharing with one that you won't share with another. Here is a fruit of the spirit for you. If we aren't long suffering with our brothers or our sisters in Christ, then who can we be long suffering with? If we're not willing to go the extra mile to resolve a conflict between our brother and sister in Christ or our biological brother, then who, who are we able to, to be long-suffering with? So the first thing that we see in the text is that these are brothers in the faith. Brothers in the faith. The second thing I want to point out to you is expectation. Expectation can either be positive or negative. It just depends upon your perspective. It's almost akin to what Jesus says to his disciples in John 16 and 33. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. You, you're going to have some some setbacks and some setups. You're going to have some difficulties and, and, and pains, and you're going to be persecuted and go through all uh, type of things. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we ought to expect that because Jesus said it. The same thing here. We ought to expect disagreements. We ought to expect not only to be sinned against, but to sin against others. Not that we are practicing sin, but we have to understand that it is in the realm of possibility that we can either be sinned against or we can be the one doing the sinning. We are not that holy that, that we don't commit sin against another brother. Uh, woe be it to us if, if that we are practicing that, then we may have to check and see if we are indeed a brother. But sometimes we can make a misstep, and we'll get a little bit more into that later on. Sometimes we can make a misstep and sin against our brother. So we have to expect that, that uh, uh, offenses will come. But the separator is how we respond. The separator, what should distinguish or set apart how we are sanctified is by the word of God. Jesus said, uh, told his disciples, he said, Father, sanctify them by, by your truth, by your word. Your word is truth. In other words, don't allow them to be caught up into 
the, the same norm as the world, let there be a separator. And the separator is how we respond to the different antagonisms of the world. And the, the, the separator for the believer is the word of God. So how we deal with the situation ought to be different than how a worldly person deals with the situation. This is not only an offense, it is a sin. The text says that if your brother sins against another, you. It's not just an offense. I think we talked about it earlier just a little bit, but it is a sin. It is from the Greek word amartisi. Amartisi. It means to miss the mark, to make a mistake, to commit a sin. Now, sometimes folk are all been out of shape and we're folk. Folk are all been out of shape because somebody made a mistake. As if we ourselves are perfect and have never made a mistake. We all have seen the Bible says and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. If any man say that he has not sinned, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So we have all made mistakes. We've all missed the mark. We've all committed sin. And so the response ought to be a response that is geared toward a love of God and a love for the brother. Amartisi, to miss the mark to make mistake, to commit a sin. Now, if we are taking a test, we're okay if we make a mistake on the test as long as we erase the wrong answer, place the right answer before we turn in the test. If we take a test, and we put down the wrong answer, we're okay as long as we erase the mistake, place the right answer, and then turn the test paper in. That's how the text kind of lines up. That if a mistake is made, then we need to res hit or, or try to rectify or resolve the problem. It's one thing to just allow the problem to go on and turn in the wrong answer, knowing that you know the right answer. It's another to change the answer to make it right and turn it in. It's one thing to know that you have, have offended your brother or that your brother has offended you and you allow that to go on without trying to make restitution or, 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 or without trying to resolve it. It's one thing to do that, but it's another to try to resolve it. And that's what the text is geared to try to tell us that we need to try to learn how to resolve issues between one another. We may deal with people who we never have uh, cross words with. You know, some people we, we will never have crosswords with or people we always get along with. 
We have some of those kind of people in our lives that people ha have never given us a crossword. We've never had a crossword with them. We've always enjoyed being around them. We've never had any problem. We have those type of people. But the same way we have some of those type of people, we have other people in our lives too. And sometimes we are those other people. There are some if people. The if people that if your brother sins against you, if I sin against my brother, or if my brother sins against, against me. In other words, there is the likelihood that even your best friend or that Christian brother or sister will either be offended by you or will offend you. Let me, let me say it again in case you didn't get it. There is the likelihood because of if that even your best friend or that Christian brother or sister will either be offended by you or will offend you. And the sin doesn't necessarily have to be an action. We can sin not just in deed, but we can sin in word. We can say something wrong that we shouldn't be saying according to, according to the word of God. We might get to a point well, you know, we ain't always, we saved, but some stuff still being worked out in. We, 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 we might curse somebody out and say some wrong things according to scripture that we shouldn't say. So it's not always about the action or the deed. Sometimes it's the word we can sin. Therefore, expectations breed responses because we have certain expectations of certain folk, especially church folk, especially uh, our best friends, especially our family. We have expectations of those people that sometimes we don't have a worldly people or people who are not our best friends or are not church goers or not family members. We have different expectations, whether we be honest with ourselves or not. Therefore, expectation breed responses. In other words, when we are not treated as we expect we should be treated, that can be a problem. If my best friend sins against me, we'll say if my best friend, supposed to be my best friend, has a relationship with my wife, then my response might be a little or my expectation will be different of my best friend that it would be with somebody else in the world or somebody else who is in the church because what I expected from them does not line up to who I know them to be or I expect them to be in my life. And so because of my expectation, I have a certain response. Herein can be the problem in the text, because again, we said this is between brother and brother or, or sister and sister or sister and brother who are in the same faith, who have the same belief system. So when I have an expectation, it breeds a response and responses result from choices, thoughts 
or impulses. So then when 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 the when the there is an expectation for us to love each other and treat each other with respect, then the responses are different than if we did contrary to that. And then what happens is there is a response that is outside of expectation and those responses can be difficult and dangerous. Therefore, we are to choose wisely, make the right choice in our response, in our expectation. That leads to the next thing that we see in the text is an appropriate response. We already know that here is where we often mess up. Sometimes we don't even make it to this part. The confrontation either starts immediately or we wait. Let our thoughts fester and then we respond in our own way. What's our own way? Well, the New King James Version in James 1 and 20, our own way says, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Sometimes we respond in anger. And we know anger can't, it can't always be good. Anger is sometimes like, like a little uh, a small fire. And a small fire can do a whole lot of damage once it gets going. But here in the text, we see God's way. First of all, as we look at this, the first thing we notice is that a moment can mean life or a lifetime. When we talk about responses, a moment can mean life or a lifetime. The, in, the inappropriate response can be the difference between life and death. In one moment of, of, of quick decision, one person kills another. In one person of heated argument, another person says nothing, and, and now you have lost the friendship that you've had for 20 years. In one moment of frustration and, and, and difficulty, uh, uh, a person can, can uh, perform an act, and a person can lose a limb or an eye. And so they have to deal with that for a lifetime. They can uh, become crippled just by a momentary act when we do things our way and not God's way. Another thing that we can say about this is, according to Psalm 1, Psalm 1 says, don't walk in ungodly counsel. Don't stand in the way of sinners and don't sit in the seat of the scornful, but meditate on God's word day and night. In other words, sometimes the most easy of problems to resolve and fix become difficult because we drag other people into the midst of that problem. We will ask the counsel of somebody who don't even know the word of God, who don't even go to church who don't even practice the same faith or religion, we'll ask them for their counsel. We'll, we'll, we'll try to work things out the same way the world tries to work them out. And then 
sometimes we have the tendency to know what God's word says and scoff at God's word just like the scoffer. The scoffer, the scoffer doesn't even have an, an, any intention to apply the word of God. And yet we'll find ourselves surrounded by people who are helping us make the decisions that, that we should be making in line with the word of God. That's, that's our way. Wisdom, again, says a soft answer turns away wrath. When there is a disagreement, a dispute, when uh, one brother sins against another, there are times when we may get heated in our exchange. But wisdom says either a soft answer turns away wrath, either don't get caught up in the hype, or let me walk away and come back later when cooler heads can prevail. That's what wisdom says. But a lot of times in the midst of of a brother and sister trying to reconcile or trying to work out differences, what will happen is that one or both will lose their heads and nothing gets done. What about the next thing? Wisdom says at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. That goes down to verse 16. Go to him with two or three witnesses, and if he doesn't listen, then what you do is bring it to the church. If he still doesn't listen, I mean, yeah, if he still doesn't listen after the two or three witnesses, then you take it to the church. And after that, if he still doesn't listen, then he becomes as a heathen and a tax collector or one who is not part of the assembly. So, so we go forward a little bit before we come back to verse 15, because verse 16 tells us how to deal uh, with the problem. He says, we're going to go to him. And if he doesn't listen, the next thing we ought to do, according to wisdom, is that we take two or three more people with us and let somebody witness how the exchange went. Because when there are two, just two people there, sometimes things can get twisted or sometimes uh, 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 one act or one intention by one person is taken by the other person in an entirely different way. So if you can't resolve it just between you two before the situation gets even more out of hand, what you need to do is bring you two or three other people. Now don't go get two or three other people who, who are just going to be for you. You ought to get the two or three people who will conduct themselves according to the right way, according to the word and the will of God. Some people who are not just yes men, who won't just go along with you, but, but, but they have told you sometimes when you were wrong. So at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. If they don't listen to those witnesses and you, then because it's a brother, you have the same assembly, you have the same faith, you're trying to go the same direction in Christ, then take it to the church. The church body ought to be able to uh, bring you two together, come to the differences, come to the sin matter and try to help resolve it. But if that brother who has sinned against you doesn't even want to hear the church, then you let them alone because then they become as a heathen or a tax collector, one who is not even part of the, of, of the body.
It comes to that point where if they don't want to hear the collective body whose only goal is not to be on one side or the other, but to be on the side of God and what the word says, when that person doesn't want to hear the whole assembly or those who, who, who are given the authority to make such decisions, then it's best to leave them alone. Oh, man. What else do we see? But here wisdom says in the text, here wisdom says that you are brothers. The text says that you are brothers. It implies that you will set up a meeting. And if you have come this far as to set up a meeting, then you are meeting with sober minds. That's what I get out of it. That when you go to him, you have made the necessary preparations to make sure that it's okay for you to, to, to talk. If it's not okay for you to do two to talk, then you wait, you try again till it's in a good time for you to talk. Then you have made a preparation to say, okay, it's good for us to talk. Let's have this meeting. This is what we're going to talk about. We talk. Yes, sober minds. Isaiah, uh, when it brings about the scripture in Isaiah 118, I think it says, come, let us reason together. Reason means to prove, to correct, to a judge, to decide. In other words, make a decision on it. When we as brothers have a sober mindset and we're both seeking the things of Christ, we're trying to direct ourselves according to the word of God. We're trying to be fit with the word of God. We're trying to be fitly joined together. We're trying to, go to correct this in a manner that is pleasing to God. Then we reason together with a sober mind. We're reasoning to prove this thing out, to correct it, to make judgment on it, and to make a decision about what is right. And the other part of this that we have in a sense dealt with previously when we said don't just bring other folks into your matter. But then later on, it said, if we need to address the matter, we bring two or three witnesses who have the same mindset or a godly mindset who are not for one or the other, but are there to bring about truth and fairness and what is right according to the word of God. But here, before we even got to that point, if, if, if we're trying to resolve the matter out between brothers, it says, you alone go with that person. No outside influences or distractions. When you find out that you've sinned against your brother. Let's take this back. It says if a brother has sinned against you. I think we're going to deal with that later a little bit. But, but if I believe or know that a brother has sinned against me then I'm trying to, to make that thing right. 
my first initial point is to make sure that we can have a meeting together where we both have sober mindsets and then I go to that person by myself with a sober mind, believing and praying that they have a sober mind so that whatever we say won't be misconstrued and that what I say won't become more of offense to him and what he says won't become more offensive to me. But what will happen is that we will have a dialogue and that we will communicate in order to work this thing out. So that whatever I say and whatever he says does not go back to somebody else saying that I said something that I did not say, or I say something or I tell others that he said something that he did not say. But we go together alone and we try to work that thing out. Because earlier we talked about taking witnesses. But right here, this is the initial meeting. Y'all try to work an agreement out by yourselves. And then the fourth, fourth thing that we see in the text is the give and the receive. Part of this, as we've been talking all along, is, is, is wisdom. Wisdom says if he hears you, when you go to talk to him, when you go to talk to her, when y'all go to talk, if he or she hears you, hearing doesn't mean sound or loudness or veracity. Hearing doesn't mean sound or loudness or veracity. Veracity is like from the word kind of ferocious. And it implies uh, uh, a, a overburdening, uh, overburden effect, which means your main goal is to 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 get your point across and to change the other's mindset or opinion. And it's all about you and not about us. In Deuteronomy chapter six, there's a word used and is referred to and called the Shema. The word here in that context means to obey. In order to obey, you have to receive it. In other words, it takes root and brings forth fruit. So the text says that if he hears, meaning that it's taking root, and it's not like he's getting uh, more upset and it's like you two are, are coming to an understanding or an agreement and it's not, it's not uh, becoming derisive, then it must be taking root. And if it's taking root, then it will eventually bring forth fruit. Now, all of the fruit may not come to bear right then. Sometimes part of the fruit is just the effect, the effect that he is receiving what you have to say. 
We have to be careful sometimes that in moments like these where we're trying to come to a reconciliation or we, we're trying to resolve a matter, we have to be careful not to overextend the bounds and sometimes be, be accepting or okay with this fruit and wait for another time in order for the other fruit to bear. In other words, what we're saying is that sometimes at a point of trying to get resolution, when we see that something is working, it's okay to call a time out, to take a recess, to take a break, to, to call another meeting time and just accept the win right now in exchange for hopefully for a win next time and not to overbeat the horse, if that makes sense. If you and the other person talk it out and the offender is accepting, receiving what is being given, then you gain a brother. How about that? If you begin to talk it out and the offended the person who offended is accepting what you're giving, is receiving it, what is being given, then you gain a brother. In other words, being at odds can have our relationship status shaky or in limbo. If the problem is allowed to go on and on without seeking resolution, then what was once a friend or brother may become an adversary. Therefore, if the differences can be removed, you gain the brother. Here it is. The one who was offended initiated the plan for resolution. Right? I want to be I want to be clear in that. So let's go back up to the text. Text said, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. So, so you have been sinned against. <laughs> Help me, Lord. You are, are the one who has been sinned against. But then God said, you go. Wow. 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 Here it is. The one who was offended initiated the plan for resolution. If your brother sins against you, you go. God said, I'm putting the responsibility on you who has been offended <laughs> to go and try to make resolution with your brother. Before I get to the, to the point I was going to make down uh, in some of the, the notes, it, it just came to me that, that Jesus did the same thing. When Jesus was being crucified on the cross, some of the folk, very church or religious minded individuals were the one crucifying him. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In other words, Jesus was the one being offended by his so-called brothers. But what Jesus did is that he went to the father on their behalf and said, Father, forgive them. And he can't go to the father to ask the father to forgive 
if he has not forgiven, or if, he, if Jesus had not made it right within himself, he would not have asked the Father to forgive them. So if Jesus did it, God then gives us the responsibility that if we are offended, don't always wait for the one who's offended you to come and, and try to make it right. He said, if you feel offended, go, you go. Man, 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 man. Oh, let's hurry. Let's hurry up and get out of here. In the New Living Translation, in Proverbs 18, 19, it says this. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Let me read that to you again. In Proverbs 18, 19, from the New Living Translation, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. That's gates around it. That, that, that means it's sturdy. It's secure. It's locked all up. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Mm. Oftentimes we wait for the one who has offended us. And the next thing we know is that it has been 20 years since we spoke. Or the person has died. And many times the disagreement is really over nothing. What the text is geared to teach us, I hope, is that we be a giver and a receiver in the will of God to win back our brother. That even if we have been sinned against, even if we are the one who has been wronged, that we operate within the love of God and loving our brother enough to go back and try to make things right, that we won't lose a brother, but that we will gain one. See you next time.